Interstellar. Do you like Interstellar? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode four of Peak Performance with Paige. As you can hopefully tell, I've got a new mic. Um, some people have said that it sounds like I'm calling in from an aeroplane or under the ocean. Uh, my guest this week is a friend from way back in secondary school, uh, Max. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> Hello. What's going on, Harry? You know, I'm glad to be on your podcast, man. I'd call myself a super fan. I've listened to all the episodes. Well, not the most recent episode because it wasn't out yet, but um, I consider myself a pager. Yeah, you... you pa- um... Pagerino. Yeah. Uh, you aggressively lobbied, actually, to get on to episode four didn't you um, yes i was desperate to be a guest on your podcast you were no you were there's like a long string of people that i will eventually have on um the pod and you dm'd and you're like we should do an episode i was like yeah sure um what i dispute though is we um we did a pre-chat and you said oh you do a lot of um politics and stuff uh what can we talk about but of course uh what we'll probably talk about for most of the episode is uh film you know quite a lot about about film like compared to normies i would say yeah i guess so i mean i studied film and i call it my first love if you have to choose a thing film has always just kind of been my thing Mm. ever since i was a kid you know watching films always just part of my life and when you get older you start diving deeper into how they're made and you follow specific directors and specific actors and you follow film news like you hear about what's in production what's coming up and uh you know you get excited for things but where we're at in this film landscape at the moment because of 2020 there is no films so it's kind of hard to do that film Uh, well there still is films you know (laughs) yeah yeah, we can talk about that if you want, about the whole like how the film industry is just currently crumbling because um, they can't release films into film, you know, cinemas. Um, so it's just a wild west of trying to send there's, them to streaming or there was going to be a you big, know, or trying to find a different method of releasing them. There was meant to be a big James Bond, right? Yeah, that was meant to come out early last year, last March, and um, Sony. You know, these James Bond films are like $200 million films plus the marketing costs. So they were really planning on a big cinema release, you know, Daniel Craig's last Bond. Um, But then, of course, COVID hit. And it was so funny. Daniel Craig had to go and do the like the media circus before. (laughs) And he had to host Saturday Night Live. And Daniel Craig isn't like a comedy guy. You know, he's just a Daniel Craig. He's just sort of a salty, salty boy. (laughs) Well, that's how he seems anyway. And uh, he had to do the media circus for a film that didn't even come out. So that's oh, what he gets, I suppose. But 
if you watch uh like clips of him on because you know what saturday night live is it's like yeah it's it's like roasting you know live sketches yeah <laughs> and uh he has to take part in all these dumb sketches and he's doing it on the you know hopefully to to fully promote his james bond film and it didn't even come out <laughs> he's spent a whole week of doing these dumb sketches and yeah poor poor man but yeah then they tried to sell um no time to die to netflix they said no because they wanted like 800 million dollars for it and yeah i mean who knows when it's going to come out because they just have to they have to bring it to the cinemas and the cinemas have to be you know at full capacity to justify the budget to get the full box office so who knows what's going to go on it's an absolute wild west harry (laughs) yeehaw (laughs) um but yeah, should we do a little bit of intro before uh, before we absolutely crack on with film production and stuff? You have your own podcast, don't you? Do you want to plug your, promote your podcast? Yeah. Yeah, well, um, well, I actually had, I had a film podcast, I guess it was probably like five years ago now when I worked in a cinema with my mate and we just talked about films every week and we got a little bit of a following. But it, you know, how things go, you just sort of things run their course and then we didn't end up doing it anymore um but i still had all this recording equipment and then it wasn't until lockdown the first lockdown when i was like well i should probably do something with this so i decided to start a new podcast just me and then well i had a a secondary thing where i was doing with other people um and now i just do it with my housemate we just talk about just mostly just garbage (laughs) films i guess is like the main the yeah (laughs) So yeah, we just uh, like films. I guess is like the main thing that we always kind of touch on. But you know, we talk about anything really. Just what's going on in our lives. I try. I guess you could call it a comedy podcast, but it's it's mostly just rambling and garbage with good sound quality. <laughs> I don't really know how to describe it. It's called Rollies Out the Back, and uh, yeah, it's just the sort of chat you'd have with a Rolly out the back. <laughs> That's how I would describe it anyway. Good stuff. Good banter. Um, so at the top of the episode, I alluded to us knowing each other from year seven. What is that? Age eleven. Um, we were yeah, also man. We go way back. Way back to um, before Jesus. Um, we were also scouts, weren't we? Boy scouts. Yeah, it was a weird time. It was a weird time where we were both in the scouts at the same time and we were in the same form at school, completely coincidentally. And we just sat next to each other in form. Oh. And yeah, we were just sort of mates all the way through secondary school. Would you say that scouts was good for you? I feel like otherwise I would have just been like gaming or eating or something. Did you? Oh, def- yeah, I mean, looking back on it now, that was the the stigma you know you go to school and people will say you're and you say you're a scout and people are like oh that's lame or like that's gay or it's something. always the first thing people yeah. will say yeah yeah um you but know. you know when you get to go to scouts and people people don't understand it's a week's worth of fun and doing act- outdoor activities and stuff you know and you're meeting people from all around the world sometimes and yeah man i was in the scouts for 10 years and i wouldn't i don't regret any of it man it was a it was you a right laugh. You notice, like the 
experience gap when you go camping for like festivals or uh with your friends or something and like people will be like how do you put up a tent and you're like oh shit they really don't yeah i just wore they'll be like oh they they really don't know how to pitch a tent at all yeah i don't mean <laughs> yeah there's been occasions where we've gone i've gone camping with my mates and they're just they've just bought a new tent and they know they have no way of figuring out how to do it you know because because like for old scouts like it's just you don't even have to look at the instructions i just like i just do it, it just happens mm. it just gets built you put but, up a you lot know, of some tents, people just don't understand and like it seems to be all we did really because it's just <laughs> <laughs> like trying to get like like in our scout group because we were from separate scout groups but they used to merge because the leaders were married to each other and so there was like 40 of us and to to get 40 kids to put up like enough tents to hold 40 kids for a week it took like an entire day <laughs> and it was just carnage got kids just wandering around with mallets not knowing what to do tripping over pegs you know falling over guide ropes it was just an absolute yeah it was it was a catastrophe every time people say um that like stepping on lego is painful i don't know like if anyone's ever had this but i don't know if you've ever fallen on a peg but falling on a wooden tent peg is quite painful yeah man uh, yeah i mean we used to have those big canvas tents and you'd have the big the, the big meaty uh wooden uh pegs and I remember there was a kid in my scout group who broke his toe, like because he was running and he and he completely fuzzed his toe into this peg. Um, I know him. What man was, broke his toe. What was his first name? Matt. Ah, yeah, good egg, good egg. We endorse. Um. <laughs> yeah, crazy though, crazy. Uh, we were in different scout groups. Um sort of like little village uh scouting quite wholesome actually um but we always were i don't know if like the leaders of our groups they were friends right we always did like loads of stuff together um yeah well the the leader for your group and the the leader for my group were married yeah that that's why <laughs> yeah that counts that's why. um <laughs> <laughs> but they were also friends as well yeah, um, but there was like a Wivenhoe scout group, which is how far is Wivenhoe from either of our villages? What, like uh, less than five miles, I would say? Yeah, I mean, there's like five villages in our area, and that I suppose that, you could say that's probably the village in between my village and your village, sort of. Yeah, to explain to people that don't really know. Well, I mean, you can just Google Maps it, I guess, but um. <laughs> yeah it's i i never saw them i literally only saw them at um scout jamborees and i would like talk to some of those people in our secondary school because it had like an overlapping catchment area about scouting but i never saw them yeah it was a weird it was a weird thing you know where you'd see uh yeah, you'd see kids from other scout groups at school, and yeah, there, there was just always this weird thing, like, or, or or there'd be kids in your scout group who you knew from just scouts, and then you'd see them maybe within the year below you at school, and you'd see them at school, and there was this sort of un, <laughs> like this like like a Fight Club esque 
like situation where you just sort of there was this weird social structure where you just didn't really talk to them about scouts at school and you didn't really talk to them about school at scouts it was just a weird thing scouts was weird man <laughs> thinking about it now i don't know getting badges and stuff yeah getting badges for like doing like dumb activities um <laughs> it's quite good though i know like people it's kind of like it's quite good to like flex on other because in secondary school like when you get a grade if you get like an a or i don't know what it is in like modern gccs have changed the grading system right you get like a two or something um but you would get an a and you wouldn't like walk around the class showing everyone your like a grade um piece of work but when you're like a cub and a scout and you do the activity every um time everyone like falls in to do scout stuff the leader will then like very publicly give you your badges and it's like a bit of a flex you're like yeah it's, it's weird it sort of teaches you like positive reinforcement or something you know because yeah. a lot i mean some kids who go to scouts they don't get that from home and yeah it's, i mean it's cool it teaches you discipline you know it teaches you positive you know doing something you get something for, for it you know you can proudly stitch it onto your scout shirt <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, you, you get that badge in front of the whole the whole troop it sounds like so stupid now. I don't know why, but just talking about it now is just it's very weird to think that that was that was a thing. Because if you tried to explain it to someone that had no idea what it was, it sounds like some kind of weird culty. <laughs> it's like, probably Christian. a big culty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What uh, do you do? Well, we go to we go into a field and we camp and we give each other badges for doing <laughs> different menial activities or yeah. <laughs> like what it doesn't. <laughs> Yeah, jokes. I don't know, like, what your weather is doing in... You now live in Colchester, right? I, out of my window, it's hailing. Yeah, man. Oh, really? Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, the day after... Well, not the day after tomorrow, when they're like... The dude's like, it's as big as golf balls, and there's, like, giant bits of hail coming down. <laughs> um, yeah, Yeah, I think it was hailing a little while ago, but I think it is now. Mm, that's quite a trippy type of weather, considering it's also sunny. Um, yeah, it's weird how that goes sometimes. So we went to a, uh, a comprehensive secondary. It was quite a... Uh, if you Google, and I posted the articles to this um, on my Twitter... There's two things that come up for our secondary school. One is a corruption scandal with the head of our school, uh, Mr. Sharma. And the other one is when he started at the secondary school. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, sort of like year seven or year eight, when people were just, millennials were like just pioneering Facebook. Um I don't. I didn't have Facebook until like 2010. I, I, I know. Um, I was annoying everyone by like posting every, posting every like three hours or something on Facebook when I first got it. Um, 
there was like some dodgy Facebook group to get rid of the principal of the secondary school. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do remember that. It was a whole thing. Yeah, that was like the birth of the during the start of social media, and it wasn't really known what you could get seriously in trouble for and what you can't. People and so for whatever reason, some kids. Yeah, like the some kids from our school just started a horrible Facebook page. The this is my personal opinion. The head of the secondary school was rubbish. Just, just me. This is just how I found him. But he also happened to be South Asian, and like, because I don't know, like, if it was just part of like the like the macro political landscape, or maybe because of like the fact you know, obviously our um, Brightlingsy, our secondary school, wasn't that far away from uh, Clacton on Sea, which ended up being like a UKIP constituency. But people in the in this Facebook page were making really horrible remarks about his um, background. Very savage. Um, But yeah, that was like the start of Facebook, right? 2007, 2008. Yeah, it's it's weird to think now that that's the sort of thing that would go on. Because it's something like that now, if it happens, it's just quickly taken up and it will take off and it doesn't things don't go down that way there's but yeah i mean like i remember social media at the start it was just like a joke i don't know people you would just say stuff on there that you wouldn't you know i don't mean this doesn't matter Mm. but yeah that that was that was a whole thing that went way too far i remember there was we had an assembly about it i didn't even know about it i wasn't even on facebook yeah Um, i had an assembly about it and um it was it, it was super taken super seriously because it's another this is it's a social issue that was going that started then like and and the teachers didn't know how to deal with it really because there's no way to police something that's that new you know there's, there's no way to, there's no book of um rules of how to deal with something like that because nothing social media wasn't a thing you know how do we deal with this thing the kids are going to go home and say mean things about us on facebook how do we police that I imagine um, most of the yeah re- reach the news as well. Yeah, yeah, those are the only like main things that show up when you Google the school. I imagine like most teachers and policemen probably didn't have Facebook themselves at this point. Yeah, yeah, possibly. Um, do you also remember like just um? I mean, we could reminisce about um teachers and stuff probably for hours but it's sort of like just nostalgia posting isn't it the other weird thing that i'd like to touch on really briefly is do you remember that stupid thing that people did where you and it was like a a moral panic in the daily mail where people were collecting they called them like shag bands they were like like little bands that you had on your wrist oh my god yeah i do remember that and I think basically, yeah, I that. <laughs> basically everyone had like 10 of them and they all had um, different like meanings. Like you'd have a yellow one and a green one and a red one. And if you broke it, you'd be like, oh, you have to, you have to make out with the person that's broken it or you have to have sex with the person that's broken your, but I don't think anyone ever broke them. You just seem to like, hoard 
the silly and I don't know where I I I remember like buying some off like you know like some dodgy boy came up was walking around with like handfuls <laughs> of these stupid things and he was like oh it's it's a pound or it's 50p for like three and people were buying these I think they ran out of them in shops yeah it was like a really big yeah thing. like the hustler kid from recess <laughs> The kid with the long coat <laughs> <laughs> selling shag pants. <laughs> so uh, so, yeah, so ridiculous now. I had not thought about that in 10 years, but yeah, that's hilarious. That was a thing. Like, what the hell? So stupid. The the Daily Mail was like, <laughs> the Daily Mail was like, <laughs> students have no morals and they are like having orgies in fields or something. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> Must have been a, a slow news day for that to make make news. I mean, it meant nothing. It was just, yeah, it was just some stupid thing that someone came up with, I guess. The stuff that... But there was always, like, little fads at school. There was yeah. just little fads at school. Like, I remember there was those, those, those like, stretchy, like, hands. Remember those? It was like a, it was like a, a sticky, yeah. like, I don't know, string, and it had, had, like, a sticky hand at the end. We had and flinging one of them hands. about in the class. That... Yeah, I'm, that was a thing as well. I remember someone set off a stink bomb in our art class, which we had as a form. With we had a teacher called Mr. George, and he was like quite stern and like old fashioned. Uh, I liked him though, and um, and some boy from someone, one of like the, the usual suspects from our form, rolled this stink bomb across the floor, and I don't if it's quite hard to convey on the podcast to people. How bad uh, stink bombs smell? Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I think I do remember that. That was a whole thing as well. So, yeah, stink bombs. Hilarious though. <laughs> it was quite carefree. Yeah, like, they really. Uh, they really. In retrospect, our secondary school, like the, at the end of the two thousands, um, I wouldn't say it was fun. But like it was more carefree than like just as we were leaving the secondary school, we would like physically tie our ties. And then when we started to leave the school, they introduced these weird clip on ties. Right. Do you remember those? Yeah. Yeah. I know my, my, my cousins went to the school. We're still going to the school when I left and they had to have clip on ties. I think they really just sort of cracked down after after we left. There was a thing that goes. There was a thing that the reason they got rid of it was if you wanted to be mean to somebody, you could do a thing which we called like was it called peanutting, where you pulled someone's tie really hard <laughs> and it would like go into like a weird knot thing and you couldn't undo it. And that was meant to be like a health and safety issue or something, but. I thought that was a bit ridiculous because a clip-on tie actually has, apart from the fact it's nice to know how to like make your own tie, that it was like a piece of metal, and if you hit someone in the eye with that, surely that's like less safe than if you just pull their tie quite hard. 
Yeah, and also, you know, if you try and paint out a kid who's wearing a clip-on tie, then his clip might come up and slice his jugular. <laughs> so, Lord. yeah, I mean, the, the, health and, <laughs> the health and safety really was weighing out the situation there. But, um, yeah, I mean, there was a whole... That, like, that was one of many things that they completely changed when we left, I think, at that school. Like, they got rid of houses as well, apparently. Oh, no, that's so draconian. I think I heard that, actually. Um yeah, you pointed out to me, like, from the pilot episode when I said to my friend um, that it was a sports college. That's why he got confused and thought that, like, Johnny Wilkinson and Bobby Moore all went to my... Because uh... when I was editing the episode, I listened to it se- several times and I couldn't work out why he thought my school had so many alumni. Yeah, it's because yeah, because the way it was sort of structured in the conversation, it made it sound like the the houses were the people that went to the school, um, which would have been cool if we had Johnny Wilkinson come to our school. But nah, no, no one famous ever went to our school. <laughs> our school was garbage. <laughs> a lot of people uh, we're talking about. Yeah, we're really talking about like as if we're looking back on it with you know cherished memories, but really. Yeah, I mean, they, they were pulling it together towards the end of when we were leaving, but when we arrived, it was absolute garbage, like a really rubbish school. Well, also, and, there uh, was... Cause it was just a sports college. That's what it was about. I mean, they did some really dodgy stuff with... There was one boy in particular, um, Ben. He was failing at, like, maths or science. I can't remember which. And the school just told him not to take the GCSE. They were like, yeah, we'll just get you to do a BTEC instead. Really? It was one of them. It was yeah, one of them. It was one of the main that. subjects. Um, they told him to do like the diluted version, so that because our secondary school, like, it became a was it? I mean, obviously, this is before the crazy corruption scandal, but it was like Ofsted outstanding, wasn't it? Yeah, but that you know. They, they, I don't they, think you can really look at Ofsted as this, as this thing as like a that actually represents the school because they used to tell us to do stuff like raise like if you actually know the answer when I ask a question raise your right hand if you don't actually know just raise your left hand and I won't choose you and that way during the inspection and that way it looks like everyone knows the answer and I'll get a higher grade. Yeah, it's very interesting how they. They the administration of the school basically played the books, didn't they, to give us this ridiculously inflated um, sense of uh, education prestige. Yeah, there were some good people. Yeah, a bunch of a uh, bunch of jokers. <laughs> yeah, the actual um, senior staff were bonkers, but uh, yeah, interesting, interesting times. Um, Ofsted is like it's not yeah. representative either way of of a school. Um, I think it's basically, I think Tony Blair introduced it as like a wishy washy um way of um. I'm flicking through a, a book on films, which is why I'm getting distracted. Did you want to break into films now? Have we exhausted? Yeah, uh, that's up to you. Have we my podcast? Yeah, we've finished uh, slandering the secondary school. Um, what's your favorite genre? 
Is that an unfair question? I mean, I, I mean, I like um, I like war films, of course, like Vietnam War films. You get more specific. Mm, um, my favorite now, film of all time is Apocalypse. Uh, Apocalypse what? Now. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's my favorite film of all time, just because it just because it combines all my favorite things: Vietnam War, Marlon Brando, The Doors, um, just you know, all all good stuff. Psychedelics, you know, I losing like... your mind, all those great things. Um, What's the one with Mel Gibson in Vietnam? Um, do you know what I'm thinking of? Oh, I can't remember. Uh, Can you picture uh, yeah. that? Mel Gibson? Yeah, Mel Gibson. You sure it's Mel Gibson? Yeah, man. We were soldiers. Oh, we yeah, were... yeah. I've seen that. I haven't seen that in a while, though. I see what I like about that one is sometimes with war films, it's hard to. Because you're talking about a big space. It's not like, you know, most films, it focuses in on like where a character is like walking through New York. Like that's quite easy to to grasp the physical space. But in war films, because like it will take place over like a, a 10 mile space. You can't usually, if like, if a, like, you know, a sergeant is like, oh, we're cut off by, you know, the Viet Cong or whatever, you can't really, you're like, okay, just walk to them, you know, like just drive your tank over there. It's quite hard to picture like the, the physical spaces between all the characters. Um, but in that film, like, they do a good job of, I think they even have like a little Vietnamese general and he's like pointing it on the map at the different places. Yeah, I remember that scene actually. I think about it. Um, I don't really like horror. That's just like my personal taste. I don't really want to be scared like out of my socks. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I like all genres as long as the film's good. That's the rule. Like, if the film's good, I'll watch it, whatever genre. I mean, I'll watch a good romantic comedy. I don't care. I've got, I've got no shame. But um, yeah, I'd say, I'd say horror is probably my least favorite genre purely because it's just so oversat. Because it's pretty easy to make a low budget horror film. The genre has become pretty oversaturated with just garbage. Like, if you go on any streaming service, you can easily find. Like the the ratio of bad horror films is often often outweighs the ratio of like bad war films or bad any other genre just because there's so many. Because if you're a, if you're an indie filmmaker and you need to make a your first project or you need to get some you know you need to get your your SAG your, your director's guild card or whatever you need to make a, a low budget project. It's easy to do a horror film because what do you need just like a dude in a costume or you need just an empty house or you can make it all psychological there isn't a lot of stuff that you need to really put into it in terms of production so that's why i think that I, horror is my least favorite because it's just there's just so many garbage ones comparatively mm. um it's interesting how like some genres come and go like you, westerns were ba- were quite a big chunk of um early cinema right 
Yeah, I mean, they used to do a new Western like every week. Like John Wayne was just in like hundreds and hundreds of Westerns. And uh, that was the genre at the time. It's just what people liked, you know, and people and it's, it's, it is crazy now you mention it, like how big a genre it was and how everyone was just on board with just seeing a Western. But I think I just I think it was just this fatigue after a while. People got bored of it. And that's what people keep saying about this. The comic book, that the superhero genre at the moment that's going to go the same way as the Western. Oh, but really? the difference is with the superhero genre is that, that yeah yeah because you know there's just so many of them now people think there's gonna you know clear off like the westerns did but the difference between the the westerns and the comic book thing that's going on is a lot of these superheroes like marvel is they've got this continuous storyline you know with mm. westerns it was like we've got john wayne in a film he plays the dude who he was the sheriff of a town oh here's another separate john wayne film where he's going to be a sheriff of a town and there's just no <laughs> they're just completely separate films and you once you've seen a few of them you've seen them all you know um i think that's why they died but um there are still a few think? what do you think the western died well there are still a few contemporary westerns right like um some of them are a bit bonkers though what was the one with like there was one with aliens wasn't there um yeah cowboy cowboys and aliens yeah, John Favreau film. <sighs> yeah, I thought that film was okay. It's just the, the Western films don't make money anymore unless you're Quentin Tarantino. You can't make a like they, they did a um, oh, what was it? Magnificent Seven film with like it had Denzel Washington in it, yes. it had Chris Pratt, and it had a bunch of all these other really like A list uh, famous actors in it, and it didn't make its money back. And it's just because the, the Western genre, unless you're Tarantino, because he did Hateful Eight and he did Django, um. They just that because he's got such a fan base that people will just go see whatever genre he decides to make. Um, yeah, I think other than him, you just can't make a western that's going to make any money because nobody cares. <laughs> I watched one, but it's, I think it's you know it's ripe for the picking. If if someone wants to go ahead and try and do it, then give it a go. I watched I one that it. was really weird a couple of years ago. There were like some there were some people in a ta- in a you know like a wild west town and. They were like some. I'll have to find it if you don't. If you can't think of it, they were like some like evil indigenous people. That there's like a man in the town, and he was Native American himself, and he was like, "Oh, that this is like a crazy tribe who, like, no one messes with because they're like bonkers and they like eat people." And like a few people from the town got like kidnapped, and they were like taken off to be eaten or something it's quite dark actually it's quite a dark film all <laughs> oh, uh, right how old is it i haven't heard of it since 20 you remember who was in it since 2010 no it wasn't like a, there wasn't like very high profile it was on film four it was on like one of the niche films that film four put on oh, okay uh shall i tell you about some films that i that i've been watching since um first lockdown which i really like I like yeah. I like the Wicker Man. Um, I enjoyed the, the original one. Oh, the, not like, the original with Christopher with Christopher Lee, legend. I liked. Yeah. Uh, have you seen Day of the Jackal? I don't know if we talked about that before the episode. No. Yeah. No, I haven't seen that. But we did talk about it before. Um, I haven't seen it. That's a good one. That's good. Maybe I'll watch it. Um. 
I enjoyed that. It's about like an assassination attempt on um, President de Gaulle in Paris. Um, they do that thing that some like old films do where they're kind of lazy and they can't be bothered to speak in a foreign language, but they do a good job of like, you kind of do forget that they're not speaking in French. Whereas like a lot of old films where they can't be bothered to speak another language, like it does show and it's quite bad. I liked it. It was good. It's like, um, have, have you seen Tinker Taylor? Oh, with Gary Oldman. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I saw that in the cinema when it came out. Really um, slow and confusing at times, but it's sort of held together by the great performances. That's lots how of, I found it anyway. Lots of like sultry, sad jazz music. Yeah. And <laughs> there's like Old- a couple of scenes of Gary Oldman swimming. Yeah. Yeah, and he's like sighing very loudly. <sighs> yeah. Um, that had a great cast, actually. That... Yeah, man. Uh, Gar Alban, Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, Tom Hardy. Uh, John Hurt was in it. Um, Tom Hardy was in it. Yeah. Like, Hardy and Cumberbatch were in it before they were big. This was in like 2010, I think. So that was just just before the the Cumbersons or whatever you want to call it, since he, he became a big thing. And yeah, that was just, just after Tom Hardy was in, in Inception. So yeah, it's weird. Some of these, some really um, up and coming actors were in that film. Um, yeah, it's odd. It's odd when you watch films and like you see people, you're like, wait, is that so-and-so? And they will just make like a passing appearance. Um, uh, Interstellar. Do you like Interstellar? Um, no. <laughs> uh, oh. I saw it in the cinema. Oh, I guess I, I mean I only I only saw it once. I saw it in the cinema at like early morning. It was like one a.m. when I saw it in the cinema because I used to work in a cinema, so we used to just watch films at night. And it was around that time I saw Interstellar and I liked the spectacle of it, but it was like, you know, you can't have both ways. You can't be the, we're going to do everything scientifically and it's going to make sense scientifically with black holes and stuff. We're going to really go into the science and it's all going to make sense and whatever. But you can't also be like, yeah, well, love is the answer and that's the whole thing. And (laughs) it was just confused the whole time. There wasn't a nice balance. You know, you got to have one or the other. There's classic Christopher Nolan, though. And also, like, the more you think about the film, the more it just, you break it apart with one of those kind of films, you know? That's how I felt about it, anyway. Have you seen the contemporary um, Star Wars films? Of course, man. Of course. I'm a big Star Wars fan. I didn't bother to watch them. (laughs) Really? Yeah, do you remember I used to have a thing in secondary school where I would be really annoying and say that if there's something that I don't like, then like me, just as like a random consumer of media, like I will just 
personally consider it not canon. Did we ever talk about that? <laughs> uh, I vaguely do remember that, yeah. That's... Yeah, I still have that opinion. <laughs> what, like, I still have that opinion. So as far <laughs> as I'm concerned, like those just aren't Star Wars films and like the ridiculous things that happen in them just like don't happen. Wait, you're talking about the original trilogy, like Star yeah, so, Wars, no, Empire, and Jedi. So four, about those five, three. four, five, and six are great. One, two, and three are a bit flimsy, but like, you know, we can have them along for a ride. And then like the new oh, ones, right. the new ones, I just like as far as I'm concerned, they're still on Endor just like drinking and smoking. And... Oh, I was confused by what you meant by I didn't know what the contemporary. I thought you were talking about the originals. No, Sorry. Um, no, yeah, I've seen them. I've seen all the new ones, and most of them are garbage. Oh, good. I thought you were like going for this crazy hot take where you were like prepared to die defending um, <laughs> the guy who looks really like gothy, or the girl who I didn't. So I see on like online. This isn't a leading question because I can't be bothered to like even follow the critique. People call. Uh, what's the female protagonist called? Ray. Yeah, people call her like Sue something or something. Yeah, so that's yeah that started when um so there's this writer who wrote um Chronicle and some other films. He's called Max Landis, and he created a whole stir when the Force Awakens came out because he he called Ray a Mary Sue. Which yeah. is basically this old like film, film or like protagonist thing. You can call a protagonist when it means that they they can do nothing wrong and everything's fine for them and they can just breeze through the story no problem. And there was this whole this whole like sexist shabak shabam went on about it. And uh, yeah, that was a whole thing at the time. Ray is a Mary Sue hashtag. Ray is a Mary Sue. That was a whole thing. Was that on Twitter? Yeah. Yeah, that was bef- that was before my uh, my time on Twitter. Um, Jaws, the shark. <laughs> yeah, man, Jaws is great. Jaws is kind of like there. There's like this giant, like rubbery shark dude, and then like when they go for like. Sometimes they'll show like pictures of like the belly of a normal great white shark in like 1970s film. They'll have like a normal shark just like swim really like innocently, like just over the ca- like an underwater camera or something. And that's to like reinforce the fact that we're watching a shark film or something. Yeah, I don't know if they do that in Jaws. Do they do underwater shots in Jaws? Because the whole thing in Jaws was they had an absolutely horrible time making it because their mechanical shark kept breaking because they they built it to they they built it to work in fresh water and then when they put it in salt water, all the mechanics eroded, so it wouldn't work properly. So then they had to completely change the way they were going to film the film without the shark and make it more about, well, we can't really see the shark, so we have to use these barrels to represent the shark. And there's always the presence of the shark as opposed to actually seeing it. I I thought in one of the the Jaws films, definitely there's like pictures of, there's like film of real sharks like swimming about from 
below. Like, well, yeah, it may be in one of them, but in the original Jaws, the classic original Jaws, Harry, you got to remember, like, there's like Jaws for it's called like George for Jaws for the Revenge, and it's got like Michael Caine in it. <laughs> it's <laughs> so like everything other than the, the first Jaws is uh, is garbage, really. But it's like 50 the first Jaws, one, yeah. the Steven Spielberg one, is a, it's a classic. Uh, have you seen Brazil? Yeah, yeah, I have. I haven't seen it in a while, though. I can't really remember it too much. But, it's, yeah, it's a Terry Gilliam film, right? Yeah, I liked the stuff which I think they got from, like, Kafka, the writer. Like, the sort of absurdist, uh, famously, like, right at the start of the film. This is, like, a mild film. Spoiler. They, it's like a dictatorship, and they go around arresting people and the print all the problems in the film start because the printer that prints out the name of the person their last name begins i think with a p and then a fly gets squashed on the page and makes it look like a b and then they arrest the wrong person i liked the sort of like absurdist critique of you know like police states and um fascism and stuff but um, some of the actual shots in the film I thought were like kind of weird. He's like having these weird dreams where he's being chased by like really nitty sort of bizarre like characters all in like dressed like mummies and stuff. And there's like a whole dialogue about these women who have on like loads of cosmetic surgery. I thought that was quite nitty. Yeah, that's just classic Terry Gilliam. Like he's got this very striking visual style. That's his whole thing. Like he did all the um obviously he was in Monty Python, he did all the animations for those. Mm. And every film he's done since has been um like he just huge like visual um big on the visuals is Terry Gilliam, not so much on the substance. It just doesn't like a lot of times his films don't really make a lot of sense. But like when you think of a Terry Gilliam film, you think of the visuals, like I like you just you tell him it, Right, reminded me of the cosmetic lady. I can just remember the face being pulled, and like, mm. that's one thing I can remember. Um, but yeah, man, yeah, I mean, you, it's, it's a pretty good film. You enjoy film as art, don't you? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean, it's so hard to, it's so hard to kind of. I'm fine with it both ways, you know. Like you can, you can view it as art, or you can view it as entertainment, I suppose. But um, just depends where you're at in the day, I suppose. Sometimes you want to get really pretentious, and you want to watch some kind of Barry Lyndon, you know, Stanley Kubrick type spiel, and sometimes Crazy you just girl. want to watch some garbage. Like occasionally, I watch. Sometimes I watch like just like a dumb Marvel film, and that's fine too, you know. It's not, but yeah, it's definitely. I mean, it's art, obviously. All film, all film is art, good or bad. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think most of my favorite films have films uh, that have a big artistic voice. Hmm. Um, I've been watching uh, like net, like mainstream Netflix um, animes in. Um, lockdown i really like studio ghibli films oh yeah 
Have you seen any? Yeah, man, I've seen um, House Moving Castle, Spirit Away, mm-hmm. Kiki's Delivery Service, um, Princess Mononoke. I think I've seen them all. I've got them all on Blu-ray. I'm pretty sure I've seen all of them. But um, you know, it's like is the thing with Ghibli is the ones that you've heard of are the best ones, in my opinion. Yeah, like p- people have heard of Spirit Away, people have heard of Princess Mononoke, and people have heard of House Moving Castle. And the reason you've heard of those, if you're just like a normie who isn't into, um, you know, anime, is because they are the best ones, in my in my opinion. Those are the best, easily the best ones. I don't think Kiki's delivery service is that great, and I mean, I could make it, but <laughs> I don't think that um, some of the other ones in the in the Ghibli catalog are that great, you know. And everyone everyone also bigs up um, Studio Ghibli films these. Um, you know japanese anime is being far superior to american animation and stuff but you know american animation including pixar and um disney they've done you know amazing films and a lot of people will just sort of dismiss those it's not as good as all of the um japanese anime it's like well you can have both we live in a world where you can have both so Mm. calm down i with probably about 2015, I watched um, Ghost in the Shell, the 1990s anime and I film, and I really liked that. I thought that was very good. And I was not going to lie, like, I know there's like a whole mini culture war thing going on with like various different films, but I thought it was quite cheesy how they had um, Johansson play the protagonist in the like the live action version considering they're all meant to be um east asian did you watch the live action yeah i mean that's a that's a whole thing yeah i've seen the i've seen the original and i've seen the the live action one i don't think the live action one's that bad i mean it's not great but um that's a whole thing in terms of hollywood hiring white um leading actors to play these characters that aren't originally that you know it's it's a whole debate about whether that should be all right but you know i'm just from a like if you just look at it like objectively from a business point of view they got scarlett johansson in there just because she's a big name you know they weren't looking at it to be racist that's what they did it was from a business angle and that's why it happened but i can totally see why people got upset about it like yeah they should be more inclusive and they should hire they should hire an, you know, an Asian actress to play the character. Like the character is an Asian person, so um, that's what should have happened. But once again, you get let down by these things. Uh, I'm sounding so dumb for not going into this with like an actual list of films. What was that um, South Korean film that did really well recently? Parasite. Yes, I haven't seen that. Should I? It's funny you mentioned that, Harry. I also haven't seen it. Um, I've been meaning oh. to watch it. It's on Amazon Prime at the moment, so I could easily give it a watch anytime, but I just haven't got around to it. And all, all my mates have seen it, and they were like, Yeah, it's amazing. You need to watch it. And it won the Oscar. Like, it's amazing that um, a South Korean film won the Oscar. Like, how cool is that? And the uh, Boon Jong Ho, he won for best director as well. So, hmm. you know, it's wicked. Apparently, it's awesome. So, um, yeah, I didn't. I uh, I haven't like really seen a lot of stuff on Amazon Prime. Um, I watched a bit of around my friend's house. I watched a bit of uh, Man in the High Castle. I thought that was okay. 
Um, the BBC and ITV have a collaboration, don't they? They have a um, what something hub? I don't know what it's called. Ripbox. Yes. I don't know if that will take off, to be honest. Well, once again, like the streaming service thing is, is, is getting a bit out of hand. There's just so many. And we're in that phase. We're in the acquisition phase at the moment because none of them are making any money. All these streaming services are actually losing huge amounts of money at the moment because they're just trying to get market share. That's all they want. That's all they need. Because It's even worse in America because they've got Peacock and they've got HBO Max and they've got all these other ones that we don't even get here. And that every big studio at the moment, because of COVID, and it was happening anyway, but because of COVID, they all they're all trying to establish streaming services. And um, yeah, so like you have to have content for it to work because um, Peacock is this like NBC one. And you know how Disney recently bought out uh, 20th Century Fox, so mm. now all the Fox properties are on Disney Plus, and you can access them through the Star thing on there thing um but i just i'm thinking about it now i'm not sure like how much i mean they do have a lot of content itv and bbc but is it enough to sustain a streaming service is it a very is it a varied amount of stuff does it have enough variation to sustain a streaming service you know like do i want to subscribe do i want to buy another streaming service just to watch things i can watch on tv you know yeah i um I managed to find, I was like, um, I didn't tell you this because, well, I guess we actually like, until I announced the podcast, we haven't really spoken. I bumped into you in like, uh, was it a game shop or something? We haven't had much of a catch up since, uh, what, since secondary school, really. So I've known you since secondary school, but. We haven't spoken a lot since then. La- at the start of spring 2020, I was like weirdly quite productive during the first lockdown. And I was like doing loads of stuff and, like, you know, going out for like long walks and stuff. I managed to find on TV, on uh, YouTube, and then like obviously plug it into my TV, um, Thunderbirds, you know, like original 1960s Thunderbirds. That's quite good. I, was, I got really into that. Oh yeah, the pu- the puppets. I got really into that. I think I watched a bit as a kid. I think they should return that to TV. That's paying. There's one with like giant crocodiles. <laughs> that sounds pretty good. They're like hiding in a I'm house. Sure, they're working on a remake. They're working on a remake of everything. There's like um, mutant, uh, mutant like formula that like changes DNA or whatever, and like the this guy tries to like steal it from the scientist and it like falls into a lake or like a marshy like marshy water, and all the like crocodiles get like really like ripped and big. And uh, and they're like attacking the house with the Thunderbirds in. It's pretty crazy. Um, I also yeah, um, sounds whack. <laughs> I kind of liked Captain. Sounds like sixties whack. I <laughs> stop. I liked Captain um, Scarlet, but like that was basically just like 
spooky Captain Black music, and then he would like drive into a dead end and disappear. That seems like that was the whole show. Yeah, I'm not sure I ever watched that. It's just like Captain Scarlet and the boys are trying to like defeat this like spooky UFO moon base or whatever. And then Captain Black, like really early on, gets like corrupted and he's like possessed. And he also has some like weird supernatural powers where they would like drive after him in their like weird sci-fi cars and then he will like drive into like a brick wall and like disappear through it or something. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, what decade did this come out, Captain this, Scarlet? This is like probably 1970. That sounds about right. Um, I feel like stuff was better. I feel like um, TV production and like quite a few films were better then. That's just like, I don't know why I feel like that. Maybe there's, there must have been money motive. Like it couldn't have been that there was less. It was more just like art as a passion. I don't know, man. There's great stuff out now. It's just you have to look for it, you know. So some a lot of stuff, great stuff, is just buried under a like a huge load of crap, you know. You got mm. got to get in there. Like HBO stuff on HBO is amazing at the moment. Um, you know they've been killing it. So, do you see the Chernobyl show that HBO did? Yes, I watched that. That came out sort of like spring 2019, didn't it? That was good. Yeah, man. It was like HBO's apology for the last season of Game of Thrones. Um, yeah, I watched that. It was incredible. It was like the best show I've seen since the like the end of Breaking Bad. Loved it. Um, there was a really good bit where there are like divers who have to basically go underneath the reactor and I can't remember if it was turn on or like turn off some water pumps or something and like all the water's radioactive and their like little um, radiation dials are like going crazy and then they're um you can hear their breathing. They're like breathing really hard through their suits. And then their um, hand torches start going, like start turning off. And that's how like one of the episodes ends. Yeah, I remember that. That was because um, they were told before they went in, uh, we, you, you are the only people in here in, in, in Russia that can like, or wherever it was, I don't know, yeah, um, that can... Yeah. Um, has the skill set to go down there and do this but if you do you have to do it and if you don't do it um you know you'll be in trouble but also when you do do it you're going to be you're going to get cancer and it's going to kill you but you have to do it because this this the consequences of not doing it will um possibly destroy the whole planet because that's what could happen like <laughs> yeah if the uh if the nuclear reactor goes down and hits water then it can just it, it could just cause absolute worldwide catastrophe. So, um, like those miners as well who had to go under and um, uh, what did they have to do? Pull out like um, radioactive waste. I can't remember what their job was, but they yeah. just gave their whole lives to they they gave up their lives to do it. And 
yeah, they they really go through all that on the show. It's well, I think bloody, they had to like bloody good TV, mate. I think they had to put in concrete or something, didn't they? Because there was like um, radioactive waste that was like going through the ground at a really fast rate, so they had to like slow it down. Um, yeah, yeah, I think it was that. It's. I mean, it's nice that we haven't done a political episode actually, because like I want to make it very clear that it's only like part of what I do in the podcast. It's kind of a critique of the Soviet Union because a lot of people get caught up in like the class stuff and you know, like whether it's morally right to be really rich when there are like homeless people and stuff. But just as a fact that the Soviet Union like was a dictatorship and when you look at it through the lens of Chernobyl and like how unaccountable everyone is until that they realize that actually if they don't get competent really quickly like the whole Soviet Union could have been poisoned um one of my housemates in um first year of uni she um her dad is Polish and he was actually swimming, just, you know, just like outside in Poland that day, the day that the um, radiation cloud went over, because Poland is like next to Belarus and Ukraine where the uh, Chernobyl is. And he got sick. He actually got sick, Max, from uh, like in a, in the ne- neighboring country. Really? Yeah, and I think even um, the a little bit of radiation reached England, and like some sheep and cows died. Jesus, but we're not a big continent. Like, um, kind of the obviously you want people in other countries to do uh, well, but like the big mistakes that they were doing, like in that country, were impacting um people's health in other parts of europe um and yeah i think like it's not a super political show but like the way that they handled the crisis there's a bit in one of the is like the second episode or the first episode where there's like an old you know when they go down to the local party chiefs will go down to a bunker and they talk about what to do. And there's like a really old guy and he's like, we'll seal off the city and like block all the radios and stuff and just pretend everything is fine so that we don't cause a big panic. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. Some pretty um, pretty interesting public affairs stuff going on there. Um, yeah, man, yeah, it's a great watch. People should watch it. I, I, do you know what? I wouldn't watch it now because, like, I felt anxious watching it, and I can't, <laughs> I can't watch anxious stuff at the moment just because of like the situation that the world is in. Um, I like watching happy stuff recently. I watch a lot of studio. Yeah, I know what you mean. The first week of first week of lockdown, 
like uh, last year I watched Contagion, the film about a pandemic. Oh god. <laughs> do not recommend doing that if you're I do not recommend doing that if you're scared about what's going on because it's a super realistic take on what would go on in a pandemic and it also uh in re- in the in the film which the film came out in 2010 in the film the pandemic starts with like a bat and a pig and it's and it's in China and it's very close to reality in terms of like riot start it's a whole thing and uh yeah I wouldn't recommend watching that if you're at all worried about what's going on in the world because it will send you into an anxious sp- <laughs> anxious spiral yeah um I like a lot of sort of cozy stuff at the moment. I, you know, um, one of my favorite. We you mentioned rom coms at the beginning. One of my favorite films. Um, we're probably reaching the end of the episode, by the way. Is um, four weddings and a funeral? Oh yeah, Richard. Like that. That's good banter. Um. So we've promoted your podcast, we've talked about films and stuff. You'll probably have to come on later in the year so we can talk about... We haven't been able to do it, to do it justice, have we, film? Um, hopefully you'll have to come back on and talk about like film production and like how we get from a first script idea to final uh, release. Um, do you have any... Uh, closing remarks yeah man it was fun um we should do it again but we should do it in person you know i've got a good podcast set up and uh you come on my podcast i come on your podcast we could record it in person as long as once this is all blown over and uh yeah man thanks for me on i appreciate it